Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of you Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, finally in the studio, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. That's not true. You've been here. Um, but you're just with me, as always. When, I am. When we want to. I'm I'm always with you. I've been with you for like 17 years now. So yeah. what are you going to do? As friends. Just in get Yeah, as just friends. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with there anyone no. who is more than friends. But you're married. But that's not us. To, right. a, to a woman. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which would be fine if I wasn't. There's like I said, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we're not gay. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a, which would be fine if we were. Just wanted to get it. We're out just there. not. It's a personal <laughs> preference that we're not. Hey guys, this is <laughs> Good Morning Liberty <laughs> podcast. It is. What's so funny is I just I actually stumbled with the intro. I don't know if anybody caught it or not, but I did. For some reason, in my mind, I was thinking. Tasty libertarians. I have no idea why. Tasty libertarians. I was like, I can't say that. Not in the opening. I know this is kind of a comedic podcast, but that just doesn't make no sense. It doesn't make a lick of, lick of palm sense, man. <laughs> well, what's up, all you tasty libertarians? This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is honestly the best intro we've ever done. So you're welcome. Yeah. Here you go. Might we, as well subscribe. Yeah. We do a new episode every single day of the week when we want to, which is darn near every single day of the week. So hit that follow or subscribe button. We talk about life liberty and the pursuit of meaning so if that's something that you're interested in or you're you might be maybe you're you're liberty curious then go ahead and <laughs> hit that subscribe button right now because we might go ahead and bring it all the way over to our side okay you're so, liberty curious <laughs> just, if you're liberty curious like joe rogan's liberty curious yeah, you know I think he is he is so is musk we were talking about we were talking about whether or not uh rogan is gonna whether or not biden would agree to that debate with joe rogan and i was saying earlier it's not gonna happen i don't believe mainly because i saw that someone from the view i don't even remember her name not one of the super popular ones was saying that you can't you cannot agree to a debate with Joe Rogan moderating because Joe Rogan is a misogynist, homophobic, transphobic, whatever person he is. So Biden should not agree. And so they all they have to come out and do this because if the real reason, which is that we all know there's no way Biden will be awake for four consecutive hours. No. It's not going to happen. Mm. I mean, in the first half hour, he will have to be reminded where he is for sure. And I, I just don't think that'll be a good idea. They'll have to take nap breaks throughout the whole thing. Trump will be okay, I think. Yeah. He can handle it. That guy's on Adderall, probably. Oh, yeah. He's on Adderall or something else. I, I don't really know what it mm. is. But he's got the energy. Biden, I don't think he's really here right now. And I think we all know that this is actually uh, Kamala Harris running against Donald Trump. And it seems like the Biden-Harris or Harris-Biden campaign, depending on who you're asking... They know it too, because Biden said the Harris Biden uh, Did he really? campaign the, yesterday, I, I believe. Did not hear that. And then Harris said under a Harris administration, along with Joe Biden, the other day in an interview. <laughs> so Joe Biden's out there just like nothing wrong with silver. Yeah, I'll be, I got silver before I'll get silver again. Nothing wrong with it, man. You know the thing. Yeah. So it, and Vermont's a neat town. <laughs> What a neat town. I don't know which one that is on here, but maybe it's this one. What's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town. That's a good one. That's such a good one. I can't I can't take that one off uh, the board. So we got some news items to talk about today and a, a lot of them. And then we need a deep, a deep dive discussion into how it is that we're actually going to stop all the whining and complaining about this and try to talk to people and try to bring people over to the other side, is that even possible? Or are we just going to have to segregate ourselves or secede all the different states? Is that going to be the only option because people could never be brought away from the sides that they're on right now? You know what I find interesting is, you know, most people like solutions, right? But I have yet to really hear people support Biden or Harris because of the solutions that they bring to the table. Mm -mm. It's almost all, he's they're not Trump. Yeah. It's not Trump. Not Trump. That's that's literally it. 
And like, have we devolved that far? I told you about the UFOs. There's videos out there, man. <laughs> In New Jersey, they're coming down for the day of wreckage. That's what's going on for get, sure. Speaking, get your shotguns. They're coming to town. Speaking of that whole idea right there, let me play what this girl had to say now that we're just we're on this conversation uh, because I thought it was fairly ridiculous. Let me see if my computer is actually going to come through the board real quick. This is impromptu. Impromptu. This is a tweet by Dave Rubin, but he was tweeting out this girl's video. The country's corrupt, and quite frankly, I don't want to vote for Biden. It feels like voting for a Republican, but I'm going to do it. You want to know why? Because the alternative is a fucking fascist. A fascist is a fascist. Maybe we can have the conversation about dismantling the two-party system when a fascist isn't running. Maybe we can do that later, kiddo. <laughs> Champ. Chief. Maybe we can talk about it later. Your little dog, too. (laughs) (laughs) She sounds insane. She sounds like the witch from Wizard of Oz. Oh, my gosh. I didn't have time to actually pull up the video, but I mean, that's what's going on. No no one who actually likes Biden, who's actually like, oh, yeah, Biden's going to fix everything. She just said Biden's like a Republican, which he is, by the way. I mean, compared to the leftists, for sure. Right. And <laughs> same said, I bet this chick is fun at parties. <laughs> I <bet so. laughs> Leftist Karen out that's there. The, that's the Karen you want to bring home to your grandma. <laughs> okay, so let's get into Look what some- I found, Grandma. <laughs> you won't believe your ears. <clears throat> hold, uh, also, try to hold your ears because she's a little bit loud. Okay, let's get into some serious news here, real quick. That's you- like the same girl screaming at the sky. Honestly, I had that movement. <laughs> I think it might. It could actually be the same girl. To tell you the truth. Oh, wow! It's very possible that. Uh, tell me, like it's very possible. I'm yeah. not surprised. This is my shocked face. <laughs> um, <laughs> which you could see my shocked face if you went to Patreon.com/slash/GoodMorningLiberty. Stop being a loser. <laughs> over there, sign up for as little as five bucks a month, and you could see my shocked face. It's it's a good shocked face. Yeah. It kind of looks like your normal face. Yeah. And if you guys don't believe me about wearing a blue shirt, just check out the live group because I wear it all it the time. It tr- truly is a blue shirt every day. So important. It looks good. <clears throat> it's a good, you look good in blue, man. Yeah. What can I say? It's a good looking shirt. <laughs> it's a good looking shirt, Charlie. <laughs> Yelp data. This is serious. We got to get to serious country here. Okay. Yelp data shows 60% of business closures due to coronavirus pandemic are now permanent. Nope, my shock face again. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, really. Imagine that. This is from CNBC. Yelp on Wednesday released its latest economic impact report revealing business closures across the U.S. are increasing as a result of the coronavirus pandemic's economic toll. As of August 31st, 163,000 businesses have indicated on Yelp that they have closed. That's down from 180,000 closed at the very beginning of the pandemic. However, it actually shows a 23% increase in the number of closures since mid-July. In addition to monitoring closed businesses, Yelp also takes into account the businesses whose closures have become permanent. That number has steadily increased throughout the past six months, now reaching 97,000, representing 60% of closed businesses that won't be reopening. They said, quote, overall, Yelp's data shows that business closures have continued to rise with a 34% increase in permanent closures since our latest report in mid-July. Said Justin Norman, Yelp's VP of Data Science, talking to CNBC. So that's not good. Probably mostly restaurants. <clears throat> it was uh, It was mostly restaurants. It was, uh, I believe... Retail it, stores. It was actually like 40% restaurants. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a pretty big number. Because most people don't understand how thin of margins restaurants actually run on. Yeah. You know, you might think like, oh, this $30 steak is expensive. They probably make a dollar off of that steak well, yeah, by when, the time everything's finished. And they were talking about having restaurants open with 25, 50% capacity, something like that. Restaurants can't survive at those numbers without drastically limiting their menus. And, you know, they can only have a few tables open. They're going to have to cut a ton of their kitchen staff. They're going to have to raise prices, all of which you've seen in the restaurants that are yeah. actually open right now. Mm-hmm. You see the temporary menus. You see the prices have gone. I've noticed the price has gone up a little bit. That's some of the places I go to. And that's what they're going to have to do because they operate on razor-thin margins. We have this little uh, famous <clears throat> barbecue place called Martin's. It was on the Travel Channel. Yeah. 
and uh, I went over that their brisket's always market value. And typically, like a brisket sandwich uh, costs you like between $10, $12, $13 sometimes. I went there and got lunch, and I just ordered it. And I went up, and they were like, that'll be $24, $28 or something like that. I was like, Woo. whoa, <clears throat> this thing better taste good. It did. It was fine. <laughs> it was like literally double the price for the briskets. I mean, literally, you could go to some fancy restaurants and eat for that much money. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You can go over to Jay Alexander's and get a pretty good meal for I will tell you that the amount. quality of the quality of restaurants to me has gone down. So we were on vacation last weekend. We went to this place called Louisiana Lignop, which just means um more. Like I want more. <laughs> Something like that. More Louisiana. Like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, it's supposed to be like it's like a higher end Cajun restaurant. Like, you know, they've got like fresh golf grouper you know, and, and steak and stuff like that. Like, you know, nice 30, 40 bucks around there for a plate, which is a nice dinner. That's a nice place to take your lady. Mm-hmm. And, um, and let me tell you, it wasn't great. And in fact, we couldn't eat the shrimp because it smelled like it was, it was rotten. That's not good. No. You but, know, shrimp are feeling the pandemic too. They are. Okay. Yeah. They're sickly. Maybe they were infected. They could have been. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't scrape out all the pandemic. You know, <laughs> so, so I hate it when that happens. So, I mean, this is it's sad. It really is sad, especially coming from you and I, which, you know, we played music, but we also were heavily involved in the restaurant industry. That's how we made a living before music. Bartending, serving, we've done it all. Yeah. And um, it's, it's I couldn't imagine, you know, trying to make rent for the week. And then all of a sudden I get cut from my restaurant job. <laughs> like, what what would you do? Now, Wes was saying most were going to close. Any, there is an important point if we're going to be truthful on the data. A lot of restaurants close, go out of business anyway. So there is a certain amount. There are a certain amount of those restaurants that were going to go out of business anyway that were on the platform before the pandemic started. Yeah. I don't know what the number is, uh, how many of those restaurants would have gone out. But, I mean, we can't argue with the fact that being closed and not taking in any income has led to more people going out of business than otherwise would have. Right. I definitely think that that that's happened. So Charlie's got the follow-up piece to this because here we are. We've taken uh, 60% of the businesses that closed uh, on Yelp that announced that they were closed are going to be permanent closures. And we have to ask ourselves, what was all this for? What was it for? This coming from Reason, which is not fake news, good place. Uh, It's titled, How Much Difference Do COVID-19 Lockdowns Make? Despite some early blunders, most conspicuously the failure to adequately protect nursing home residents, Sweden generally has tried to protect people who are at highest risk of dying from COVID-19 while giving the rest of the population considerably more freedom than was allowed by the lockdowns that all but a few governors in the United States imposed last spring. That does not mean Swedes carried on as usual since the government imposed some restrictions, including a ban on large public gatherings and issued recommendations aimed at reducing virus transmission. The consequences of that policy look bad if you compare Sweden to Denmark, Finland and Norway, neighboring countries that have seen far fewer COVID-19 deaths per capita. Yet Sweden has a lower death rate than several European countries that impose lockdowns, including Belgium, Italy, Spain and the UK. The comparison between Sweden and the United States is especially striking. The per capita fatality fatality rate in the U.S. recently surpassed Sweden's rate, and the gap is growing since the cumul- uh, cumulative cumulative cumul- cumulative cumulative <laughs> death toll. And see, someone says it wrong, and then like you have a hard. Then I couldn't do it. Yeah, cumulative death toll is rising much faster in the United States. The seven-day average of daily deaths peaked around the same time last spring in both countries. Adjusted for population, the peak was higher in Sweden. Since then, however, that average has fallen more precipitously in Sweden by 99% since April 16 compared to 65% in the United States since April 21. The seven-day average of newly confirmed cases has also dropped sharply in Sweden by nearly 80% since late last June. In the United States, during that same period, daily new cases initially rose, an ascent that started a month and a half after the states began lifting their lockdowns. The seven-day average peaked in late July and has since fallen by 46%. Achieving herd immunity, which protects people in high-risk so I wanted groups. to go through something before you keep going on here. One, one crazy thing to take into account is they didn't do a lockdown. They did a, they did a ban on large gatherings. And was it over 50 people? 
something like that that they did. I, don't I believe remember. I believe 20, was their over policy. Twenty maybe or and their their actual <laughs> that actual death rate has fallen by ninety nine percent or daily deaths have fallen by ninety nine percent since then compared to sixty five percent in the United States, and the new confirmed cases have dropped by eighty percent since since June, and they didn't. They they didn't force everyone to close. Right. Or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> they it's... sent out recommendations and they basically told old people like, hey, you should probably stay home. The people who are most at risk and everyone else was kind of free to do their business. Yeah. And people were still eating at restaurants. They didn't close everything down. They didn't go on full lockdown. Uh, they just people knew the risk and that was it. So, so. They, they, they are talking about herd immunity here, which is something that we're just are we going to get? Are we going to be able to get that in the United States if we're always in a lockdown? You think? I mean, how are you going to get the herd immunity? It's well, going to be a lot slower. We're waiting on the the anti death vaccine mm. to be created. The anti death so vaccine. Yeah, I heard Bill Gates is working on that, but he's oh. waiting for enough aborted fetuses to make them. <laughs> good. Good. So <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds like a tall order. Yeah. All right. So achieving herd immunity, which protects people in high risk groups by ma uh, making it less likely that they will encounter car uh, carriers, was never an official goal of Sweden's policy. But recent trends are consistent with the hypothesis that Sweden has achieved some measure of herd immunity through a combination of exposure to the COVID-19 virus, T-cell response foster fostered by prior exposure to other coronaviruses, and greater natural resistance among the remaining uninfected population. I also saw a study that said the amount of virulent that you're exposed to can also determine the severity of your disease, which I thought. Huh, so like, that's interesting. So like if you are infected with one virus, you might get like a really mild case. But if you have like a million, hmm. if you like ingest a million of them, then you're you're worse, which isn't. That's not typical among. So they don't other... just replicate to the maximum possible inside your body, like, like that. If it's or a lower your body, amount, if it's a lower amount, your body's able to can fight it off. Can fight it okay. off faster gotcha. before it can develop um, so much because it has a longer incubation period. Gotcha. gotcha. So if you get infected with one virus, well, then by the time there's a million of them in your body, it's already got antibodies. If you get infected with a million of them. Well, by the time you develop antibodies, there's like a trillion of them. Yeah. So it becomes much tougher and your the, the severity is a lot worse. So I thought that was a very interesting study. Huh. So if somebody coughs in your mouth, just make sure it's a lot less than usual. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot less coughing directly into another person's mouth yeah. these days. Right. I think maybe you see it all the time are, yeah. on YouTube and stuff. I of mean, course. people were just hacking away. It used to be one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> right. For sure. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> well, that's ended. I mean, COVID's changed changed our ways, man. Oh, man, the good old days. Let's see. So um, continuing on down here. In the United States, meanwhile, lockdowns, despite the huge costs they entailed, have not had any obvious payoff in terms of fewer COVID-19 deaths, although they may have changed the timing of those deaths. Perhaps the outcome would have been different if lockdowns had been imposed earlier or if they had been lifted later or more cautiously. But perhaps not. In a National Bureau of Economic Research paper published last month, UCLA economist Andrew Atkinson and two other researchers after looking at COVID-19 trends in 23 countries and 25 U.S. states that had seen more than a thousand deaths from the disease by late July found little evidence that variations in policy explain the course of the epidemic in different places. You're telling me that human beings have trouble controlling a microscopic organism. Yeah, it's something we can't see. We have a lot of trouble controlling something like that. It's very interesting because I was looking at the study. Anything from the National Bureau of Economic Research is is available. They, they've got all that. It's on your daily lunch list. And yeah, so I'm always reading, you know, those 70-page MBER studies. And so they were looking at the the 25 states and the 23 different countries and any any of them that have more than 1,000 deaths. And you could, you, you could tell little to no difference between which one of them had strict lockdowns and which one of them had no lockdowns. It was pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. the, that's that's what you could pick up from it. Right. Is that you could not pick out the places that had lockdowns or didn't have lockdowns based right. on, based on what their, their death rates were. The only thing I would say is for the healthcare industry that it, it was possible that we could have overrun it. Yeah. 
that we wouldn't have had enough doctors and nurses. Like that's what right. happened in Italy. That's why we needed 184 <laughs> days to slow the spread. Right. Of course. That's what the whole campaign was about. Yeah. Yeah. But th- that, that was the problem is that has nothing to do. Two weeks and 169 days. That's how they sell it. You know, the, this is a perfect example of you, uh, you give a mouse a cookie and he'll take a mile. You know, that's, that's uh, like my grandpa used to tell me. That way, that way you can work off the cookie. Yeah, exactly. So it, that's, if you give them an inch and they'll want ain't raising no fat mice over here, man. You give the government an inch and they'll want a glass of milk. Okay. Yeah. And for the cookie, we had, we had 15 <laughs> days of slow to spread, which was to not overwhelm the healthcare system. And by golly, we didn't overwhelm the healthcare system, but now it's turned into, which we could go back and listen to our podcast. This was always going to be, we cannot, I mean, I was telling Lacey when they did this, I said, we're going to go into a lockdown and we will not be able to come out of the lockdown. Until because there's an anti-death Until vaccine. they stop all the deaths from coronavirus because mm-hmm. no one is going to want to say that we can come out of lockdown because every time someone dies from coronavirus, it's going to be blamed on the people who said we should come out of the lockdown. So no one's going to want to do it. And <clears throat> a lot of places have came out to a, a, at a decent amount. And, well, no, I'm sorry. It hasn't been a decent amount. It's been disgusting still. But then you still have places that are that are totally locked down. And it's really just has been, like Wes just said in the live group, uh, it has been about power. When you give people power, they're going to they're gonna want to hold on to it. And this has nothing to do with whether or not we're going to overwhelm our healthcare system. There, there could be some hospitals where they could be getting overrun, but the healthcare system as a whole in the United States is not being overrun. We never ran out of ventilators. There was never someone that needed the ventilator, that couldn't get one because we were out of them. It didn't happen. They're ha- they're, this whole fear tactic has not actually played out in any kind of way, but we're still locked out. And so that kind of tells you, like, it really didn't have anything to do with protecting the healthcare system. It has to do with curing death and being able to blame death on whoever the other person is. That's really what I mm-hmm. see it. So I think there are, there are obviously some people who follow who wanted to not overwhelm the healthcare system. I think that that is a decent idea to not overwhelm the healthcare system, but we, okay, so we did that, you know, but now, now what? Now we have to cure coronavirus, which is similar to the flu, which we've known about for over a hundred years, which we still have 50,000 people a year dying from. It's not going to happen. That's what I told Stephanie the other night. I was like, cause you know, I asked her, you know, how was work? I was like, what, what's coronavirus like now, you know? And she was like, oh, she was like, it doesn't seem like a big deal anymore. Yeah. Like people aren't, it just doesn't seem as big a deal as it was. And she's like, I still have patience and I still have to gown up. And she's like, you know, I know I saw some people who probably had it um, that we tested where I wasn't gowned up. So that, that sucks for exposure. Yeah. Um, Does she but, have the antibodies test? Uh, No. Okay. No, but she has been tested. And I mean, she's tested negative. She's got to have the antibodies. Like maybe statistically, I would bet. I honestly think I had, I had this disease, this horrible, terrible disease in February. I remember the last time I went to see (laughs) my, one of our clients that I have in Louisville, I went up there for some meetings. Um, that's the last time I've traveled for business. Yeah. (laughs) was, uh, February (laughs) and, uh, I went up there and I remember vividly that I, the worst part about the whole thing is like, I could not get enough sleep. I was so drained. In fact, I I went to some meetings on Monday. I literally went back to my hotel room at like three o'clock and I was staying at a casino by the way. And all I did, I didn't leave my room. I literally went to my room at like three o'clock. I took a nap until eight. I woke up and ordered a burger from room service, ate the burger and went back to sleep until like nine o'clock. You weren't down at the tables the whole time. No, you didn't must, even, it didn't must even have been go, Rona. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even go into the casino. I stayed at the wow. hotel the whole time. Wow. And ate the burger, went back to sleep till like nine the next morning. I didn't even go into the office the next day. I did I like canceled my meetings. Slept all day on Tuesday, all night, Tuesday night. Wednesday I went to a few <clears> meetings <throat> and I came home Wednesday night and I was still like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I mean, it lasted like I would say like ten days like that, where I was like really congested, a lot of fluid. And I just could not sleep enough. That was the worst part about the whole thing. I think I had it back then. I need to get one of the main 
antibody test, man. They told me I had flu B at the beginning of the year, like first week of the year. And, oh, um, yeah, we went to Dallas. That's yeah, right. or I guess it was like right at the end of December. Uh, they said I had flu mm-hmm. B. You know what? It was probably flu B because they did a test and they said right. I had flu B. Right. So I guess that's what it was. Yeah. There's my coronavirus story. <laughs> but uh, my sister had it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Did she live? She's still here. That's good. Yeah, she's still here. Good news for her. Her uh, boyfriend had it too. Fiance, yeah. actually. Congrats to them for getting engaged. So Nice. That's um, exciting. Yeah. And uh, they Fiance? Were, and also, How do they say that in French? Uh, fiance. Okay. Yeah, they say it in the southern Alabama <laughs> version in France. Yeah. So that's how they say it. Um, anyway, so the, the problem <laughs> is we're in this lockdown, and how do you come out? And then you got all these people tweeting about how we got almost 200,000 people have died, and obviously that's Trump's fault. All the blood's on Trump's hands. And like I've said before, damn you left for making me defend Trump so many times. And it's not so much that I'm defending Trump. It's that I'm trying to defend really stupid arguments all the time. You're trying to defend rationality. Yeah. I'm just trying, like... Well, that's what we said from the very beginning. It's like, look, you guys need to pay attention to what's happening. Yeah. We said take it seriously, but also just pay attention and watch. Just watch what they will do. And wouldn't you know it, it all came to fruition. (laughs) I hate it when that happens. (laughs) It all came to... Fruition. So I just, I, I responded on there earlier. He said, we got 200,000 people and it's all Trump's fault. And of course I said the same thing we've been saying, wait, everyone was saying there was going to be potentially 2.2 million people die. Since when is projecting 2 million dead people and coming up with 200,000 dead people, uh, like worst case scenario. And obviously the person who was in charge fault. Like to me, if you're saying there could be and two, half of those 200,000 probably would have died anyway. Yeah, they were, they were, I mean, the, the, the age, the average age of people who die from coronavirus is higher than the average lifespan of a human in the United States. Which that is does, pretty high. It's pretty, pretty up there. And now I'm not saying it doesn't matter that those people died or anything like that, but I am saying you could look at this as a, as a potential when, if you're someone who truly believed that maybe 2 million people were going to die, you, I would think you would take this as good news that yeah. 200,000 people died. Never. We're against that. Okay. Yeah. We forgot to say at the beginning, yeah. but you should go back and listen to the previous episodes. We have yeah. been anti-death from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. We're part of Antita, which stands for anti-death. And if you, if you don't know about it, look it up. I know lots of people who are for death and we're not friends with them. Yeah. And we're against it. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> so um, this, I don't know if you guys seen what's going on with Charlie Kirk and some of the Turning Point groups out there, but Facebook and Twitter have shut down a bunch of Turning Point USA affiliated. They went under a different name, Turning Point Action, but they are affiliated with their Turning Point USA, basically. And what they, what they pretty much found, the Washington Post did this investigation and found that there were a bunch of people working for Turning Point USA that were all out there being paid, and they were posting, quote-unquote, misinformation online, and they ended up having their accounts shut down because they were being paid to post the information. And so I, I thought it was an interesting conversation about whether or not, one, you could be paid to post something and where the lines are drawn on that, because, Uh-oh. like, what? Because What? I mean, do I like, do I pay you to that's post what, stuff? That's where I was saying, like, I, I get paid for Good Morning Liberty and I post stuff all the time. Shit. So take your pay away. Is that bad? <laughs> like what, what? So where do you draw the line on this? Where someone is working uh, for a group or someone's getting paid from a group. I think where they try to draw the line is you're supposed to make it known that you're being paid by someone when you're posting the information. And or that you're affiliated with someone. But anyway, let's go into this from uh, from phonews.com. I didn't want to do this live, but <laughs> I got to let you go. Turning Point USA <laughs> affiliated pro-Trump teenagers violated Twitter policy with coordinated posts. Report. Coordinated mm. posts. So basically what happened was they sent out a bunch of possible posts that you could make. Like a memo. And so people would post those things yeah. from the group. I mean, it, it wasn't that many, but I just I think it's really weird. Young conservatives who post pro-Trump messages on social media were compared to trolls by the Washington Post on Tuesday, an investigation by the paper revealing a coordinated effort to violate Twitter's policies. 
but the group said it considers their online behavior sincere political activism. So that's the other thing that I think is interesting. Like, what if you sincerely, truly believe the things that you're posting and you just happen to also be getting paid by a group, but you're posting things that you sincerely believe? Yeah. These are not bots or anything that we're posting this. These are actual people. And define sincere political activism. I, I mean, I think that just means something that you truly believe. You're not posting it simply because you were being paid. Yeah. I think is what that means. Citing four people with independent knowledge of the effort, the Washington Post reported that Turning Point Action, a group affiliated with Turning Point USA, paid teenagers to spread pro-Trump messages on social media. Ooh, ooh. we got to stop this. we got to stop it. Their descriptions were confirmed by detailed notes from from relatives of one of the teenagers who recorded conversations with him about the efforts. Jesus. Yeah. This is a sting operation here. (laughs) Got to, you know, you know, when you bust in your kids. Does the Washington Post have a SWAT team? One of the worst, (laughs) one of the worst fears as a parent is to bust in your teenager's room and see them posting pro-Trump messages on their laptop. (laughs) That's one of the worst things that you could see. Pro-Trump youth group enlists teens in secretive campaign likened to a troll farm, which is uh, what the Washington Post was saying. The quote, the campaign draws on the spam-like behavior of bots and trolls with the same or similar language posted repeatedly across social media. So um, sharing things that yeah. someone else wrote <laughs> could be another way of saying that. Mm. But anyway. I guess there's a limit on how many times you can say taxation is theft. Yeah. I mean, someone else wrote that so if i post taxation as theft well then that's like spamming because i'm just saying something that someone else had said yeah. previously you're posting the quotes like we do on our twitter from other people well that's something that someone else wrote and i'm posting that on there so i must be some kind of a bot or a troll something like that we just haven't we haven't reached the uh the rpm limiter yeah but but it's carried out at least in part by humans paid to use their own accounts through the nowhere uh, though nowhere disclosing their relationship with Turning Point Action or the digital firm brought in to oversee the day-to-day activity. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm at on this. Uh, I mean, Twitter and Facebook are, I know where I'm legally at. Their Twitter and Facebook are private companies and they can do whatever they want. So that's fine. Where am I morally at with it? Or where am I on an annoying hypocritical basis? Because, uh, uh, I'm just saying, when you call things like what they were posting misinformation, they're posting things like uh, anti-mask or don't trust Fauci or basically your some standard right-wing messages, things like that, that will eventually, the Washington Post detailed a bunch of the things that they said they were that they were posting. And I didn't find any of them that were just like clearly false. Right. They are clearly against a certain narrative, which people would like to say are conspiracy theories or false or or whatever. You know, if you if I post something like climate change is not uh, caused by human beings or we don't know that for sure, well, that would fall under the category under this criteria as misinformation that I that I'm posting out there. Right. And so that's that's always a problem. Wes brings up a good point. He says, if Facebook shuts down sites and basically blocks people, certain people from posting certain things, wouldn't they start to be classified and considered and treated as a publisher and not an actual just a, a host of a website? Uh, Facebook itself? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually... Once you start filtering out the content that you allow on your platform, doesn't that make you a publisher? It makes them a, yeah, a curator right. of, of, uh, of information. Yeah. What you're, they are. you're no longer just a platform. Mm-hmm. So hmm, I think that changes the rules a bit. And that is the problem. That's actually something they're running yeah. into in Australia, something we didn't really talk about, but they're trying to force Facebook to pay news agencies as if Facebook is a publisher of the information that's being posted on their sites. And that's a really good point that once you start controlling what can or cannot be what information can or cannot be out there, then you're kind of becoming a publisher of information out there. You're you're the editor-in-chief of the information that's out right. there, which private company they should be, but they're, they could get into some legal problems over that is, mm. is all I'm saying. So uh, Charlie Kirk did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Twitter suspended 20 accounts for a platform manipul- manipulation and spam after the post asked the social media giant about them according to Stanley Becker. So they didn't set off any alarms. They didn't, uh, you know, trip the algorithms. No. Anything like that. The Washington Post 
mm-hmm. asked the social media, asked Twitter, like, hey, have you seen these guys? They've sent out 4,000 tweets. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so th- there's actually a really funny thing in here. So this doesn't seem like a massive deal. Um, the effort generated thousands of posts this summer on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, according to an examination by the Post and an assessment by an independent specialist in data science. Nearly 4,500 tweets containing identical uh, identical content that were identified in the analysis probably present a fraction of the overall output. The really funny part was Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab director Graham Brookie referred to the operation as a troll farm and told the Post it had a bigger impact than any effort by any foreign adversaries. (laughs) So remember this whole Russia thing that we went through with the election completely changed the election just completely affected the whole election and they identified 4,500 tweets containing identical content and then they said it probably had a bigger impact than any effort by foreign adversaries (laughs) (laughs) oh it's good (laughs) it's pretty good stuff so good oh man okay so that's that so where i mean what do you think like, should there, where are you at on the idea of, I know Twitter's always had a rule, say that I'm going to post about uh, Coke Zero on Twitter, and I'm just going to talk about it, and say we've got thousands of followers on Twitter, and I'm just out there talking, pushing Coke all the time, Coke Zero, yeah, all the time, and what they want is basically, if Coke, if Coca-Cola is paying me to do that, then people have to know that Coca-Cola is paying me to do that. Basically, that's their rule. Is it, if it's a paid advertisement, then people have to know. And so that that is a and that's kind of an FCC thing too. I remember some people getting into trouble with uh, mainly Instagram. So yeah, some Bacardi, I believe, was yeah. involved in it really big, where there were some influencers or famous people that were posting pictures with Bacardi, and turns out they were being paid to to post that stuff. And so a lot of these rules have changed. And I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if it matters. One, um, I, I really, I mean, I guess they're all private platforms so they can do whatever it is that they want to do. I just don't, I don't like the idea that they're going to censor this content and call it misinformation and then still allow Bernie Sanders to operate on Twitter. Like, right. That's, you know, that's one of my biggest problems. Well, and it was a mere five days ago and I'm not making a mockery of this, but I saw so many never forgets. Yeah. Everybody was saying the same thing. They all posted the same thing. Yeah. And none of that was blocked. I see that picture. You can see how far our technology's come. You remember the picture of the twin towers on fire with the Eagle. It's kind of like put up in the side of it and it says like, never forget. It's yeah. like your typical nine 11 thing. A bunch of people probably posted that all over the place. Mm-hmm. Trolls. Yeah. Trolling. Troll 9/11. farm. Yeah, it's a troll farm is what that is. Farming trolls. And the problem is, like Todd said, any information that basically is contrary to the general narrative that's out there in the media is misinformation. You know, that's the problem. That's a really that's a really big issue we've got right now. And I'm glad they haven't shut shut down podcasting or anything like that. There has been an issue. Did we I never checked back to see, but I know that uh, Jordan Peterson's daughter uh, Michaela was saying that her episode didn't get uploaded to Spotify when Joe Rogan switched over to Spotify uh, exclusive. They did their deal or whatever. And her episode was held off of Spotify. The Alex Jones episodes were held off of Spotify. Um, several different people were Spotify did not upload when they switched over the Joe Rogan podcast to, to his exclusive deal. And that kind of stuff bothers me because I wonder, are they eventually going to shut off all the ways of getting this information out there? We're going to have to go to like carrier pigeons or something like that. Mm-hmm. And what kind of regulation are they going to have on the pigeons? Might have to use a post office. Ugh. You know? No, I'd rather use a pigeon. <laughs> no way. I'd like to use a raven. Raven? That's Seems... from Game of Thrones. Yeah, okay. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. Did you watch Braveheart last night? No. I worked on stuff. This is getting to a point of blasphemy. <laughs> Saying that that's blasphemy is blasphemy. I'm pretty sure. Why don't you, why don't you blasphemy this? Blasphemy so that. the main important conversation. I'll talk about it, Charlie, since I have it pulled up. Unless you got the website pulled up, you should pull up the link so you can read through the some Twitter of these link? with me. Yeah. 
So Valerie Jarrett posted this thing earlier, and I didn't really care about what it is that she posted. Valerie Jarrett was a senior advisor to Barack Obama, and, uh, you know, just just one of your uh, typical leftists out there. And she posted, what is herd mentality? Just asking. And so her mentality is basically when the crowd starts doing something, the rest of the crowd does that thing. Or one, a few people start doing it, so the whole crowd follows in some kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, if you were trying to get out of a building that was on fire, there's a pretty obvious herd mentality with few people start running someone else fire and everyone starts doing it and there's a stampede and uh, or people trying to get into walmart to get a to get a tv or something like that on black friday there's things like that so you get those crowds or then you have the herd mentality where it's just um the basically whatever the crowd that i'm involved in is saying then that's what the entire crowd is going to believe And so I thought it was a really interesting question, kind of an obvious question. But what I found most interesting was all the comments or all the, uh, yeah, all the comments on her tweet. So it was... Did you see her clarification, though? I saw it had to do with COVID-19. So she meant herd immunity, not herd mentality, I (laughs) think. So I do, I think she actually meant herd immunity, yeah. Right. Because she said in the context of COVID-19. The COVID-19. The COVID-19. <laughs> of the COVID-19. Because the tweet is, what is herd mentality? Just asking. And then she clarified it and says, to be clear, in the context of the COVID-19, I get what it means in a normal context. I don't think you understand the words you're typing from your phone. No, I do think she <laughs> meant herd immunity. But regardless, all the all the responses had to do, do with, with, the, with the herd mentality. With, with which, herd mentality. yeah. yeah. Which once the crowd started going towards that, I mean that's just <laughs> that's what they had to do. <laughs> so some of the uh, some how of the, ironic, yeah. If you can find some, let me know. It says it's how Demo- some of these responses. It's how Democrats think. They do not allow diversity of thought. And then someone said, every time Biden speaks, you should be asking, "What is this?" And the her her mentality. And then let's go through uh, some of the ones where they're talking about people on the right here real quick of course someone posts the thing of sheep and everyone there is wearing masks and all of that someone said two million dead because 40 percent of america supports a monster (laughs) two million is what they said the name of their twitter account is trump killed two hundred thousand humans but the person posted two million dead because for i don't i don't understand Exactly. And then someone said our president constantly lies. And then someone is posting these pictures of sheep. Um, someone posted a picture of Jim Jones and put up a, a picture of Trump right next to it. And then someone said it's what put anti-American leftists like you in power. Here's one. Herd mentality is when a failed impeached president tries to pretend a global pandemic doesn't exist because he cares about the stock market and his reelection more than American lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, here's another one. Herd mentality is believing he didn't say the words, quote, this is really deadly. This is a killer. It's five times more deadly than a bad flu strain. Even in all caps here, yelling, Justice 13 here. Even though he was recorded, wath his knowledge, saying those words. Yeah. I think they meant to say with, but <laughs> wath his knowledge. <laughs> to me, that whole recording thing. It, it meant, I What's, don't think Trump actually thought he was doing anything wrong, really, whatsoever. He knew that he was talking to a, someone writing a book that was recording him <laughs> while he was talking to them. Yeah. You know, not a massive secret. So what's hilarious about all of this is the entire thread, the entire, all the replies and everything is herd mentality. It's literally, you can predict the words that are going to come out of people's mouths. Yeah. That's, it's absolutely hysterical. Uh, someone said her mentality equals people in the Republican media bubble. Um, people, I mean, so anyway, what I what I found, someone says GOP not wearing masks and it's a bunch of people jumping over a cliff. Uh, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like this. And what I picked up from this. From both sides. Is that, yeah, it's from both sides. The left say that it is. The Republicans' way of thinking, it's a herd mentality. They all just blindly follow Trump and conservatism and all this, and they don't pay attention to facts or whatever. And then the right says, it's what the Democrats all do. They don't pay attention to any kind of 
different ideas or diversity of thought and they only go with whatever the leftist socialist thing is. And they both say that. And what I picked up from that was that both sides of the extremes here truthfully believe that they are right about what they believe. Like if you could imagine, imagine you're talking to someone and they had all these ideas of socialism and communism or whatever, and it is what they truthfully believed was the only answer and there was no, there wasn't any malice in their heart. They didn't want 100 million people to die. It's actually what they think the true idea is. Remind me of that time, reminded me of that time we talked to those fascists at Politicon. Those guys were um, openly fat. They were going around promoting fascism. At Politicon. At Politicon. Yeah. But they were sincere and they sincerely believed that it was the only way that we were going to live in a prosperous society and it was the best thing for everyone. Yeah. They weren't going around talking about putting Jews in camps or anything. They were talking about the economics and the government form of fascism right. and they thought it was the best thing. Because it had to have a sense of morality. Yeah. And they didn't like Trump, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's also also important. And And so I think this is really important when we're having conversations with people We've talked about a lot, Charlie, I don't know what you think on this, but we've got to, when we're talking to people, we've got to come from a standpoint of the person I'm talking to truly believes what it is that they're saying. And Lacey said this to me the other day, and you said it earlier, you said the same thing she did. She's like, you, you know, you truly believe what you're, you think that you're right about everything, you know, and now Someone's got to be right, so I'll take it. Okay, <laughs> one side's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> but that's how everyone feels. Yeah, my grandpappy used to say, "You can't have it both ways." So that's so that's a, and so what I just said right there. Even when it comes to libertarianism and free markets and all this, the way that we feel about the free market and libertarianism, and the way that we know that we're right about this. Now we have to have the benefit of actually being right. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? That is how everyone feels. And so you've got to pretend like when you're talking to someone that it's the same thing as them trying to talk to you about this kind of stuff. And what would they have to say to actually convince you that it was the best way to go? Or what would someone have to say? I can't remember who it was that, um, I can't remember who it was that brought this up in one of our interviews but you needed to talk to people as if they were like you in high school, because a lot of us said that we were all, we were Republicans and conservatives. A lot of the people in the group were, I don't know if there's any former, any reformed regressives out there, but um, I don't know if there's, if there's anything like that, but uh, what could someone have said to us in high school that would have convinced us that dropping bombs in Iraq was not the best way to go? You know, what could someone have actually said? Because the Libertarian Party was out there saying that kind of stuff at that time. Right. You know, so I don't know. What do you do about this, man? Well, this is why I think it's important to find areas you agree with someone on and start start a conversation in a, in a positive manner. So, for instance, when we were at Politicon, a great example of that was we had these Bernie bros and ladies that came up to our table because, of course, our banner on it in big letters says BernieLies.com. <laughs> and they're like, Bernie lies, what? <laughs> and uh, it was a good conversation starter, especially for those people. And, you know, the one of the things we got on the subject of was healthcare. And they were like, well, you know, healthcare is just too expensive. And Nate and I were both like, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's way too expensive. Our healthcare system is absolutely trash. And they were like, what? How bad is it? Yeah. And I said, it's bad, ma'am. You don't want to know. Don't, don't. Don't look into it. It's real bad. Yeah. And so, they, and then of course, like you could see the, you could see the change on their face when they were, when they weren't just hit back with combat because they were ready. Oh yeah. They were armed to the teeth. They had all the sayings down. They knew what they were going to regurgitate. They thought that they knew what we were going to say and we were going to say how good our healthcare system is. And it's better than the, you know, all the aliens healthcare in the world. And we didn't do that. No, we came from a standpoint of agreement. And we you know agreed what? that our healthcare system was terrible. Yes. Now we probably did not convince them. I would say, but you know what? We planted that seed, and you know what happens to seeds? They grow. Yeah. 
Now, I don't know if they're not Bernie Bros anymore. I, I haven't kept up with them since. But we were able to have a genuine converse, conversation with people who came to our table hating us. And we were able to have a genuine conversation because you have to start from that standpoint of understanding what Nate just said is that ev- everyone thinks that they're right and they're just as passionate about their opinion as you are about yours. And so you have to psychologically come to a standpoint and understanding how to communicate the message that we're trying to get out to people. It's not necessarily manipulating. It's just telling the truth. And you're saying, yes, our healthcare system is terrible. Here's a bunch of things wrong with it. I actually work in the healthcare system. So I, I agree. It's absolutely terrible. And then, then what I think, you know, changed me was like listening to Ron Paul when he was talking about blowback. And so to me, like you start to present the evidence and not in a way that is necessarily trying to prove them wrong, but in a way that's going to encourage them to go look it up because I actually went and looked up CIA blowback. Cause I was like, what is he talking about? Like the CIA actually admitted that there's blowback. What? This doesn't make <laughs> any sense. So, and then, so I, it sparked something in me to be like, okay, now I need to go look at this. And then like, then I read his book and all kinds of things. And I was like, Oh, I'm, hot damn. I'm a libertarian for the most part. You can't put a box. I'm so libertarian. <laughs> you can't box me yeah, in. Nate. Yeah. Okay. You don't, almost said, don't try to box me in. Yeah. But I, that is how I was convinced. And so when you think about how were you convinced to come to this message, we have to do the same thing. We can't be out there being like, well, the Democrats are stupid and they don't know anything. It's like that. Most people aren't stupid. Actually, they legitimately, legitimately believe that it's the only way. Yeah. And so you have to find areas you agree with that person and start the conversation from there and then plant little seeds and you have tiny baby mustard seeds, just like the movie inception. You, one of the important things is that, and and I'm really bad with this. Everyone knows everyone who's close to me. Magoo called it conception. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone who's, everyone who's close to me knows this. If you want me to agree to do something, you have to make me think that it was my idea. And that's the best way to do it. Now that's not always the case. Like I'll go agree to do, I'll, I'll do things like, I'm a pushover. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, but if if it's like a major decision, it's very important that I think it's my idea. <laughs> and so, my wife has told me this before. Yeah. She's like, she's like, yeah, I, I I try to help you to to come up with the idea on your own. That's how she convinced you, you know? to get married. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a long term, you know. This is yeah. playing the long game, right? And uh, and you really do need to do this with other people. I've always. I've I've always asked myself how how I would convince someone that was like your brother Trey that I know is a really good person and really wants the best thing for the for the most amount of people and how is it that I would actually convince him that libertarian was the best way and it would actually be the he wants to help people and he wants to help people who are in a bad situation you've got to make the case that this is actually not helping people who are in a bad situation this is how you would truly help the most amount of people actually what we're doing is hurting people that's why i don't like this that's why i'm a libertarian is because i want the best thing for the most amount of people that's why i have these ideas and here look at the damage this is causing and look at what we could do if we if we did it this way and try to do it in the the least combative way possible so (laughs) i saw sam's comment in there Yeah. yeah In that, Sam, that's not how we do it. And so that's the that's the problem. Like if if you know, maybe we just would have talked about he said wish he would have came up with the idea to watch Braveheart on his own. If you guys have been following the podcast, you know that there's been a long running battle. Yeah. Uh to get me to watch Braveheart. And the problem is now There's plenty of battles in that movie, by the way. I know. So. And if you really wanted me to watch Braveheart, we just should have Do you uh, like do you like battles? You battles? guys eh, sometimes like to wage wage rough, you know, battles, battles. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, what, what you could have done to get me to watch Braveheart was, uh, you guys talked about how great it was and maybe saying quotes from that or posting stuff from it or deriving a lot of conversations from things that were, that were had in that movie a lot and just making it sound really cool. Tell secrets about it and not ever say, you have to go watch this. Right. And because now I'm like, 
You're like a rebellious <laughs> teenager. I'm going to go watch this. Yeah. People then... I will die before I yeah, watch this movie. I will, I will die yelling freedom before I go watch Braveheart. <laughs> okay? There's just no way. So, anyway, this is... This is an issue I have with us on the podcast. We obviously do a lot of um, critiquing on the podcast of other people's ideas. Speak for yourself. And we've got to, (laughs) we have to balance that, I think, with putting up ideas and also pointing out the problem in the other ideas as well, because the other ideas are so prevalent and they're so mainstream that a massive part of the battle is just showing why, hey, don't listen to that. It sounds good. Don't do it. It sounds great. Don't do it. Okay, this is why. This is why that's stupid. And and if you'll just slow down on that idea for a minute, let's talk about a potential other idea as well. And a lot of times we get caught up on talking about don't do that idea. It's terrible, which I think is an important part of the piece. Like if 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 you never explain to someone why the mainstream ideas are terrible, then they'll never feel like they need to seek out the other crazy sounding ideas in the first place. So you've got to be able to make that point and also do something to bring people over to your camp sometime as well. So I think we we have to find, we have to try and thread that needle just a little bit and try to bring, try to make it a podcast where people can listen who maybe aren't a libertarian or a conservative. One of our goals has been to market to conservatives and make them libertarians. That's kind of been one, one of our things. And it'd be difficult to make it a podcast where someone on the left could listen and consider not being on the left anymore. It'd be really difficult, but that's going to come with putting up solutions to the problems all the time. Yeah. So. And discussing the ideas in a way that is not just chastising what we disagree with. Yeah. But actually discussing the ideas um, in a, in a manner in which it can, again, plant the seed. That's all I can think of because you're not going to convince someone right now to watch Braveheart even, you know, like I, Rob says, dang it. Now I want to watch Braveheart again. And you know, when I think about being happy, I think about watching Braveheart too. And so (laughs) this weekend, if I wanted to be happy with myself and my life and figure out and, you know, you know, feel like I have a solid direction on where my life is headed, I'll I'll watch Braveheart this weekend. That's yeah. what I, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, that's not gonna do it. <laughs> You're gonna have to wait a few more minutes before <laughs> starting the manipulation. It's not gonna work. Yeah, just quite yet. Um, the other I mean, thing if is, if I wanted people to like me and have a bunch of friends and stuff, I, I probably would. That's what I would do. I would probably watch. You're telling Braveheart. people an awful lot about me, by the way, right now. <laughs> like, listen to the things Charlie's trying to say to get me to listen to Braveheart <laughs> or watch Braveheart. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, if I wanted to be successful and I wanted people to like me and I wanted to have friends, well, I would watch Braveheart. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what I would do. Of course, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So uh, the other thing is for you guys that are listening to the podcast that I wanted to talk about, it's it's a lot easier for you guys on an individual basis to the people that you talk to in your own lives to be able to do what we're talking about doing, uh, to incept them into thinking about liberty, to make them liberty curious in some kind of a way. And... It's a lot easier for you guys than it is for us here talking on a podcast to, one, attract a libertarian and conservative audience and speak about everything in a way that people on the left are going to actually be convinced to come over to to that side. It's kind of a, a, a line that you got to go back and forth between. But one good thing, I think, is with us providing information and maybe different ways of talking about these situations because you guys are all up on the what's going on anyway. But the some of the ways that we talk about things, maybe they're a way that you hadn't thought about it or thought about saying it before. And, and maybe that'll help you guys when you're talking to someone uh, have a better way of convincing them in some kind of way. And so that's kind of where I see our place is uh, being a, a troll farm. <laughs> See how I brought that all the way back around? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. You know, for those in the live group, uh, I think 
Probably Monday, September 21st. I'm going to watch Braveheart this weekend, and I'm going to do a special <laughs> recap uh, episode on the 21st. That's a good idea, actually. On Monday the 21st, I'm going to do a special recap episode for everyone in the live group. So if you are a fan <laughs> of Braveheart... That's a good That's a good one. You want to watch that yeah, movie really this weekend smart. and be a part of that discussion, then uh, that's happening next next Monday on the 21st. You could do that in all kinds of... For all kinds of different things. Like, guys... On October 31st, we're going to do the podcast with our shirts off. And like, if you wanted to motivate me to go work out or something like that, yeah. I'm like, oh, I got this podcast coming up. I got to do it with my shirt off, you know, we get our own nipple gate going on over here. All right, guys, if you're in, are you, are you good on this conversation? Yeah, that's good. Okay. That's good. If you guys are interested in day trading. You don't want to mention the last one? Oh, I don't know. We're over an hour right now. Oh, oh yeah. The, yeah, the last one is, is important. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's, we don't spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. But. Just mention. All right, this is coming from Deadline. Um, the Daily Wire to move headquarters from Los Angeles to Nashville. So that's a mass, mass exodus from California. Mm -hmm. You know, like people, they're going to learn today, man. <laughs> the Daily Wire, the conservative media company started by Ben Shapiro, Jeremy Boring, and Caleb Robinson. I didn't know all those people were part of it. <laughs> plans to move its headquarters from Los Angeles to Nashville. Boring said that the move was being made due to de, due to a declining quality of life in the city, including high housing costs and homelessness. I didn't realize yes. the guys from Daily Wire were homeless. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the publisher's 75 employees based in Los Angeles are being given until October 1st to decide whether to make the move. He said that it looked like about 80% would make the move. Nashville is a great place, mm -hmm, y'all. Mm -hmm. The site has grown substantially since its launch in 2015 and was the top publisher on Facebook in July, according to News Whip. The Ben Shapiro Show has ranked in the top 10 podcasts this year, according to PodTrack, and probably top 10 for a long time. Um, the reason for their move is they blamed city leadership for failing to address the ongoing urban problems and also cited the state's high income taxes. The dream of California and the weather were enough to draw us all here and keep us here, even when it was hard, he said. But it's hubris to think you can keep making it worse and worse for people and that somehow the idea of temperature winters, uh, temperate winters will be enough to make them stay forever. And it's not. <laughs> so that's pretty, pretty awesome. This is pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool for us because... I don't know. There's probably other shows here in Nashville. We we, I don't I don't know if we know of many others like that are super liberty minded. I know uh, Ralph, uh, what's his name, had a big show here um, that he got kicked off his show. What's his name, Ralph? The morning guy. Yeah. What Ralph. was his name? It was Ralph something. Yeah. He, he has a great voice. Mm -hmm. He really does. Oh yeah. But he got in some controversy. Got kicked off the morning show. But but uh, yeah, it'd be really cool and. Um, you know, I'm, you know, maybe uh, I'll have time to do his show. He's invited me a few times <laughs> uh, to do a Sunday special. Yeah. And so far it just hasn't mm -hmm. worked. You know, I've been, well, I had golf and, and that was important and, and also vacations and stuff like that. So I just haven't, I haven't made the time, but now that he's coming here to Nashville, uh, I might be able to sneak over there. For a Sunday special. If you guys have any uh, any different business strategies, yes, we are going to work our back channels to become the libertarian wing of the Daily Wire. That's uh, No, I mean, that's just us having um, daydreams, but we're going to make it happen. Yes. All right? We're going to take advantage of this. We will have a connection. Manifest your opportunities. Yes. There are opportunities. They're going to be here in town. Let us know if there are any other libertarian podcasts in the Nashville area so we can do something to make them move. And then uh, we are going to manifest our destiny. Yeah. Well, probably from listening to this show, I bet he's like, wow, that Nashville really does sound like a great place to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we'll take him out to dinner sometime. That's what that's what happens when you have lower taxes. And you have, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe you don't put up with the old Chaz Chop type scenarios. I mean, they did yeah. come in and just take that ride down when they were trying to do that in, in Nashville. And the, they've definitely been more relaxed on all the lockdown things. So. I, I forgot to tell you, they're starting to hire people for Amazon because I'm getting tons of recruiters yeah. hitting me up for, oh. for Amazon, oh, yeah. Amazon developer jobs. I saw they're hiring 100,000 people this year. They're yeah. working on a hundred thousand. Yeah, Amazon is so. And the estimated salaries, but uh, between a hundred and a hundred forty thousand. Yeah. So it's not like these are good jobs. 
So <laughs> Magoo said, can you imagine Ben Shapiro with a Southern drawl? I am trying to imagine because <laughs> he talks way yeah. too fast to be from the South. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to. Okay. Anyway, guys, if you're interested in day trading, uh, we both have uh, both had some pretty good days in the market. The The momentum is back into the market. We had a, a, a boring couple weeks there. And anytime you have those, you just need to take time to study, exercise as much patience as you can and be ready to strike while the iron's in the fire, as, the, as they've always said. So go to mastermytrades.com and it is Charlie's birthday month. So we're doing the promo code 20STONK to get 20% off your subscription for two months. Yeah. A lot of twos in there. There's a lot of twos happening. Yep. You go to 20 stonk to get 20% off for two months on your subscription. Go to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com. We've been day trading for quite some time now. We go live every single morning, not just when we want to. It's pretty much every single morning because that is a class that people are investing in. And so I, I try to never miss it. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's more consistent even than the podcast. For sure. So there's over 200 videos on that website. Go to mastermystonks.com. Don't wait too long to seize on this opportunity to learn some new skills. See if this is something that you'd be interested in. You could get in there and all you got to do is see the right patterns, hit the right buttons, and you can make money from home as long as you make the good decisions every single day. Be patient, be disciplined. And that's what we're going to talk about on mastermystonks.com. So go. 20stonk yeah. is the promo code. Check that out. Also, join the live group, as I mentioned. It's always a blast, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be in it because pff, five bucks a month, that's basically nothing. <laughs> Essentially nothing. And you get all kinds of cool perks. And like I said, I'm going to be recapping Braveheart just for the Patreon group on Monday, so you don't want to miss that. That's Monday, September 21st. It's going to be a one hell of a bonus episode. <laughs> I'm just so freaking stomped about it. I'm pumped up for Freedom Talk. That's what I'm going to name it. Freedom Talk. Freedom Talk. Braveheart Edition. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Freedom Talk. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a great story about how this, you know, libertarian band of Scottish brothers <laughs> came together and literally, you know, the whole saying, give me liberty, give me death. That's what they fought for. And it's just a great story. And I think it needs to be recapped. Yeah. For all the people who actually believe in liberty. So if you believe in liberty, I think you'll be there on Monday, September 21st for that recap. So join the live group. Be part of that discussion and every single other discussion. We've got all kinds of healthcare bonus episodes and lots of good stuff inside of the Patreon group. So make sure you sign up patreon.com slash good morning liberty. And then please continue to share the show. Uh, as Nate mentioned, we probably are the fastest growing libertarian podcast out there. And it's all because of y'all. And we really, really appreciate everything you guys do. The numbers keep climbing and we really appreciate that. So make sure you're continuing to share the show, share it with a friend, share it with an enemy. Perhaps your communist uncle needs to hear. We could plant a seed right in the middle of his brain, man, <laughs> right in the middle of that hypothalamus. Okay. So <laughs> let us plant that seed, share the show, leave us that rating and review. Tell me how good I am, and I would really appreciate it. And that makes me feel better about myself when I go to sleep at night, and maybe I can be uh, a two-time <laughs> winner of Podcast Host of the Year. Because then never, you'd be enough. Because then I'd be enough. Yeah. So if y'all do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Thank you all. I carry with me. I don't have it. I gave, gave it to my staff, but I carry with me in my pocket. I don't have hey, it. Do I have that around anyone? Where's my staff? I gave it away anyway. I carry a schedule in my pocket.